Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you, and uh, Phil, it was good to see you this weekend. We actually got to enjoy a game in person together. Yeah, well, yeah, it was good. It was good, anyway. to, good to have you in town, and uh, hey, we're on a bit of a roll here. A bit of a roll. Yeah, things. Things are picking up uh, for your Golden Eagles. We're going to talk about the week that was, more specifically the Seton Hall game. Uh, talk about some injuries that may be piling up, some players that may be coming back. Uh, and then we'll look at uh, the week ahead and see if Marquette can kind of keep this thing rolling uh, as they are maybe starting to build a little bit of momentum here as we are about at the, well, we, I guess we are at the halfway mark of, uh, we're close to the halfway mark, nine games in, of Big East play. So, Phil, uh, yeah, so I, we could maybe lightly touch on DePaul or as part of the bigger discussion, but I guess the, the big thing I want to touch on is mostly the most recent game, which we both saw. And, again, I actually got to go uh, see this game in person, my one uh, Milwaukee game in person I got to do this year. Um, Shout-out to the College of Communication and my friend Jenna Santoyani, who helped us uh, set up a, a suite for some communications alums for the game. It was awesome to be in Fiserv form and see the team in person. Of course, you were there as well, Phil, as you are a season ticket holder. Uh, energy in the building was absolutely electric, as I expected. Um, team looked good, and despite some setbacks, Phil, we actually kind of got word before this game. We kind of heard through the grapevine that Cam Jones uh, was hurt, um, and he was not going to play. He ended up starting, but I guess they kind of gave it a go and said this isn't working out and so Cam only played five minutes but the way the rest of the team stepped up in his absence was the the big takeaway for me uh, in the convincing win over Seton Hall yeah no it was well I mean yeah we had gotten word that Cam wasn't going to play and then he was going to play and then he was not going to play and he was on the starting lineup then he wasn't and he ended up starting but you know, watching him even a minute, like we we didn't get there. You know, we were pre gaming a bit and and meeting up with some folks, so we didn't get there for warm ups or whatnot. Um, but you know, in the first minute, you know, I kind of was like, I don't think Cam should be out there, right? Like he was effectively dragging a leg behind him as he as he was playing. So he did he did get a bucket. He did hit a three, wide open corner shot. So hey, even with one leg, Cam's a good shooter. Um, but yeah, he he kind of. He got taken out of the game after a couple of minutes. They put him back in, and then he was back and done for the rest of the game. And and I think that first half was reflective of, you know, not dissimilar to the Seton Hall road game when, you know, Chase Ross got hurt, and then the Butler game a certain amount trying to adjust for the loss of Chase. Um, there, was some, there was some figuring things out. What are we going to do? Who's going to step up? Where's the scoring going to come from? Where's the energy? And... And, you know, now, in fairness, Seton Hall was without by far their best player, Kadari Richmond. So it's, you know, both teams were, to a certain extent, kind of playing with one hand tied behind their back. Um, But I think, like you said, the crowd energy and the team energy, they started to figure it out by the by the end of the uh, by the end of the first half. They, you know, they trailed most of the first half, but then then managed to take a lead. You know, Ben Gold came in and hit some big shots. Um, you know, he'd been struggling from the three-point line and and uh, he seemed to fix that a little bit. And, 
you know, we had some interesting lineups, but but yeah, the the game game was kind of proof of hey, next man up win anyway. You know, Seton Hall was was struggling, but but Marquette really took it to them, right? Like that was not necessarily a case of of Seton Hall like maybe late in that game they collapsed, but but that was not a case of Seton Hall collapsing. That was a case of Marquette stepping up and like, no, we're going to go win and and win big. Yeah, I think Mar- it was just kind of a uh, a slow build that once you got to the end, Marquette Marquette was like just. After maybe a bit of a shaky start, Marquette was maybe just like a tiny bit better in every like four minute segment after that, like a point better here, a couple points better here, and then you stack, you know, two points, two points, three points, two points better on each segment, and by the end you're, you know, you've won by won by almost twenty points, win the game by eighteen points, and yeah, it was just uh, it was. Good to see Ben Gold find a groove. I mean, 26 minutes will get you in a groove, I guess. Right. When you play that many minutes, is that that's got to be a season high for Ben? I would think. Uh, I think it's a career high. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, if it's a season high, it's definitely a career high. Um, He's played back to back. He played DePaul and Seton Hall. We're both 26 minutes, so he is, and that is in fact both career and season high. So back to back games with 26 minutes and nine points in both those games. So Ben Gold is is uh, waking up here a little bit, which is which is great, right? We need it. Yeah, and 19 minutes from Zade Lowry, that's not unexpected. I think we kind of talked on the last podcast anticipating he would, even before we knew about Cam Jones' injury, uh, but before Cam's injury even happened, I should say, uh, we were anticipating at least 15 minutes, if not more, for Zade Lowry for the effort he has shown defensively, the promise he's shown there, and some com- confidence on the offensive end. Eight minutes for Trey Norman, even got a bucket. Um, <laughs> good to see one fall for him. Uh, hopefully more of those coming, especially if they were are without Cam Jones again next week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it, what uh, again, what you said earlier, Phil, it was kind of a next man up thing because uh, Tyler d- did not have his uh, best game as far as scoring, but it was another outstanding game for him overall, just driving the offense with 11 assists. Yeah, he only had four points, but he only attempted six field goals, so it's not like he was out there missing shots or struggling with the shot as all. He just wasn't really looking for it all that much because he didn't need to because he was getting buckets from Oso, and Stevie had a great game. David Joplin had 20 points, and again, Ben had those three three-pointers. So it was kind of a different game for Tyler in that regard in that uh, he didn't need to score much to have an impact. Yeah, well, and and what was crazy is that just the minute distribution in that game, right? Like Oso Iguodaro had thirty five um, points, which is which is probably around where he's going to be the rest of this season. Um, but Tyler had thirty six, so they got Tyler some breaks, even without Cam out there. Um, but David Joplin, I think thirty four minutes. I think that's his season high as well. Uh, he played thirty four minutes against Wisconsin. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that, and that's the most. So David Joplin had season and career high in minutes. Stevie Mitchell had a season and career high in minutes in 37 minutes. And, and Shaka even talked about with, with Stevie is that, like, he plays with such energy that one minute from him is, like, expending four minutes worth of energy, right? And it showed on the defensive end he had five steals. But more importantly, this was maybe, – maybe he didn't score as many points – as he has, right, like last year he had, I think, 18 or – no, it was 21 against Villanova last year. Um, kind of single-handedly saved that game for to a certain extent. Um, so 13 points wasn't, like, earth-shattering, but, like, the points he did get, hit a three, 
um, made some buckets in transition, got a couple of off, got an offensive rebound and a putback. Um, you know, so so everybody kind of stepped up, even though effectively Marquette is down three rotational players now. Right, we're down a starter and our first two subs off the bench. Um, and they found a way to win anyway. And I, I think one of the things that kind of I've been spending some time thinking about it. Um, Marquette didn't, and I, I'd be, I'm curious on your take. Marquette hasn't had that kind of adversity. Like last year, it was almost like they were playing with found money, right? Yes, they had big games that they had to go win, but we didn't have you know much in the way of industries injuries. Sean Jones had a bit of a wrist injury, but he was you know a freshman further down the the depth chart, so you know you could kind of ride through that. But this year, in in the span of a month, we've lost Chase Ross for an extended period of time. Before that, you had Stevie Mitchell out for multiple games. Sean Jones is gone for the season. Cam Jones obviously was a was a should have been a scratch for this game. And depending on how that heals up, he might be out for you know another week or two. So the fact that this team is is still winning and getting you know minutes and productivity that you know. I don't know that we necessarily expected or thought we would need um, is pretty impressive from the team. Yeah, I think to your point where you're asking, like, when Marquette has dealt with something like this, I mean, Marquette certainly had its fair share of injuries overall, but usually it's like one major injury. Right. It's a like, devastating you know, you, injury. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Dominic James breaking his foot, uh, Sam Hauser had his hip thing. Uh, I guess he didn't miss many games, but it just hampered him for a while. Marcus How- uh, Marcus Howard had that time when he like took a rough fall, and you missed him for a few games. Uh, you, you know, you've had got, you know Chris Otule had uh, you know several injuries with his feet. Joe Fulce had dealt with injuries, but I, I think to your the point you're kind of making is Marquette hasn't had a whole lot of situations in recent memory when they have had multiple players out at the same time. Well, I think that remember wasn't it um, maybe was it Wojo's first year. They had well. That was more transfers, guys leaving the program. Where they had like they had like eight guys on the team at that point. Right. So right. that was more. Yeah. That that was more transfers out. So, um, but yeah, like to, to to have a situation like this where now the good news is most of the injuries they're dealing with this year. Like Sean's the only one that is a season ender. There, it's just it's a nagging right. thing here, a nagging thing there. You got a couple guys out on the bench, uh, a couple guys out, and you have to go deeper on your bench than you otherwise would. And I, I think that has certainly um, been encouraging to see them, especially in the Seton Hall game, battle through that and find way find a way to win that game without Cam Jones. Right. And and you know, you knew you were gonna be without Chase and Sean going it, going into it, but that was certainly uh, very impressive to see them win that game and win comfortably. Again, we recognize Seton Hall did not have Kadari Richmond, but Marquette didn't have Cam Jones. Those two alone kind of eat, cancel each other out in my mind. Um, so not going to feel sorry for anybody in that regard. Injuries happen. You just have to battle through it. Uh, a, a little more on on Stevie, though, that I want to touch on. Um, you, you know, I think we really felt what missing Stevie can do to this team during that ugly two-game stretch, uh, the Seton Hall-Butler thing, mm-hmm. um, when – Something was clearly missing. It just wasn't there. And then you get Stevie back, and all of a sudden, okay, well, this is why we we really miss that guy. And you talked about the the energy that he brings. You know, um, Mark Strotman, who writes for Paint Touches, he threw out a thing with uh, with 
Stevie Mitchell. Um, this was going into the game, but it still just speaks to how rare his effort is. He goes, this is a complete list of college players with a 4.0 plus steal rate and fewer than 10% turnover rate. Stevie Mitchell. And that is the entire list. Right. Right. He's the only guy that, that Matt, that, that now that was going into the game. I'm guessing that's still the case, but, uh, the energy that Stevie brings can do so much. And by the way, I misspoke. Stevie was out <clears throat> for the Providence game. He wasn't out for the Seton Hall-Butler game. But still, what we saw in the Providence game and then uh, the Georgetown game after that, which Marquette won, but you still fe- felt like he was missing. something was missing. And even the St. Thomas game, um, you felt like something was missing without Stevie. But the point remains, his energy is just so... You can't measure it in a box score to get all cliche on you, but... <clears throat> Mark just had a stat there that kind of does measure it a little bit. The how he ends possessions for the other team and doesn't give them free possessions with turnovers himself just speaks to how important Stevie is to this team. And then when you get 13 points from him like you did on Saturday, it's just a bonus and just lifts the team even more. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, it's it's the energy brings, you know, brings out things out in other players and when he starts making it it's almost like he's a perpetual motion machine right like when he starts making shots and and starts being successful and turning teams over like it just energizes him any ever you know even more now i i think you know the team might be in trouble if we have to depend on stevie for 37 minutes a game for the rest of the season right like if if cam or chase were yeah. to miss extended minutes like like you just can't it, you, you know, you can't sustain that, right? Like, you know, even... And, and that maybe is a, maybe a, a touch of a concern going forward is, right. you know, 35, 36 minutes a game for everybody in the starting lineup. Yeah, you can do it when you really have to, but over a course of, say, 15 more games, that could really wear on you. But maybe that's another concern to worry about later. Right, right, yeah. And and again, I think I think the goal is, and, and I think we need to credit the staff some. Again, we're not hanging banger banners. We haven't, you know, we haven't, uh, you know, we're, we're doing okay in conference, but we haven't caught up to UConn or whatever. But if you look at it, um, you know, again, Stevie was out for the Providence loss. We lost Chase Ross in the Seton Hall game. Uh, and then both Ross and, and Sean Jones ultimately in the Butler game uh, were not available. So, you know, we, we lost key ingredients during losses, but, you know, despite all of that, the team, the, the coaching staff has put together lineups and put the players in situations where they can, where they have beat, at least right now, the Ken Palm 39th ranked team, 33rd ranked team, 68th ranked team, um, and then obviously DePaul, who's 282, and, you know, DePaul put up a, you know, a bit of a fight, you got a bit of that uh, fired coach, temper interim coach bounce back uh, in that mm-hmm. game. But even in that, even with foul trouble and all that, Marquette found ways to do the right things and won in a large way like they should. Um, so, again, I think there's a, they're facing significant adversity and they're riding through. It might not be, you know, ugly or, or it might not be pretty or it might not be the flowing like effervescent basketball we've come to expect. There might be cracks and and frustrations at times. But, I mean, what other team in the country can go down three rotational players 
and win anyway. Like Kansas mm-hmm. is effectively a five-player team, right? Like, you know, right. they, they've got five-star freshmen that aren't hitting buckets, you know, that haven't scored in, in multiple games, right? So, you know, uh, Purdue, if Purdue were down three rotational players, would they still, you know, be handling all this? Maybe. I mean, you can't prove a negative, but I do think we have to give Marquette for, you know, credit for, you know, patching the wing on while we're flying and we hope they can hold it together at least long enough to get cam and chase back because if we if everybody else stays healthy and you know not too worn down and we can get chase and cam back you know i thought i think we can put a run or put start to put it together because you know the month of january has should just be renamed oso month like oso has been ridiculous this month and if he's going to play at that level Plus TK and Cam maybe getting back and and shooting and scoring. David Joplin has been shooting, you know, better than 40% from three on a high volume of three-point shots this month, right? there. If you can get all the pieces at once, this could still be pretty special. It's it's not special right now, but it could still be special. Yeah, I I cautiously want to point out it was a good week for the three-point shooting, and maybe that thing that has been a bit of a nuisance for a little while um, might be correcting in the right direction. Uh, 44% as a team against Seton Hall, uh, 45.5%, 15 of 13 against DePaul on a night when it seemed like everybody was making three-point shots on both sides. It seemed like the, 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 the rims were absolutely gigantic that night. But the point remains... Um, the anxiety from rough three-point shooting just was not there this week. They shot the ball very well as a team. Back-to-back games over 44%. You take that as many times as you can and hope that continues. Uh, I think that happened at just the right time, too, as these injuries have crept up a little bit. Um, they've been able to shoot their way past that. And right. and to, to your point about what uh, could be special, yeah, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here because – still got quite a ways to go and we still got four games before that big one with Connecticut but I I definitely hear what you're saying and you know you don't want the team to look ahead but we as the podcasters we can look ahead right that's our privilege yes that's what we get to do um I, I this this coming week could be very interesting because if you can get past Villanova, which is going to be quite a challenge given what injuries may still be an issue on Tuesday but if you can get past that one, then you've got road game against Georgetown. You should win that. You got St. John's, which will be a tough game, but it's at home. And then you go, you get another shot at Butler, who a, a game you I think when it happened, you just wanted to run that back, and you couldn't believe it happened the way it did the first time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, wa- yeah I it, wanted us to immediately travel to Indianapolis and play the game, just because there's no way that game happens twice in a row. Right. Yeah. So, and then after that, after the Butler game is the first one with Connecticut. So, again, I don't want to look that far ahead because that's five games out. But you kind of see a bit of a path where Marquette could stack some wins. And if they're riding and if they are riding an eight-game winning streak, or, yeah, yeah, or an eight-game winning streak heading into that, boy, everyone's going to be talking about that game the week it happens right. on Saturday the 17th. Um, but as it is right now, I'm not sure Connecticut – like. They don't feel catchable. Mathematically, they are catchable. But it just doesn't feel like Connecticut is catchable right now because we still have so far to go and Connecticut has just been destroying people. Right. 
Right. Well, and, and I mean, mathematically, yes. If if we go undefeated the rest of the season and Connecticut only loses to us, we would win the title simply because we'd both have three losses and we'd have the head-to-head. So to your point, yeah, it's it, ma- it, would, it would be a share in that situation. It would be officially a share title, sure, right. but Marquette would have the one seed in the Big East tournament correct. if that happened. Yes, correct. But again, to your point, um, that feels like a lot, especially for a team that's, you know, that's down contributors. Right now, we've seen we've seen Klingon get hurt, you know, multiple times this season. So. You know, that could happen to, to UConn, and, and, you know, now we're talking a different story. I mean, they don't have an easy schedule. They've got to play Marquette twice. They've got to play Creighton. They've got to play at St. John's. That's probably probably their toughest games, right? So could, could, could UConn lose a game or two that aren't against us? Yes, maybe. But to your point, the, the margin for Marquette to make a title run is really razor, razor thin, but by the same token, you know, I, if if we don't at this point, if we don't win the title, I'm not going to be disappointed as long as we get everybody back and healthy that we can um, mm-hmm. for a run in March. Yeah, yeah, and the last thing I'll say on UConn is, as great as they are, a 19 and one run through the Big East seems a little lofty even for them. Right. So we'll see what happens. Again, I, I let's see how the next four games go, and then maybe we'll – that'll be a big podcast as we go into that week. But we'll we'll deal with that when we get there. But right as it is right now, UConn does not seem catchable just because they're – a lot needs to happen between now and then, and including Marquette handling its own business and hopefully getting the guys back that are hurt right now. And that leads me to kind of my next question, Phil. Um, as we look ahead to Villanova, first, like – what do we know about Cam Jones's ankle, and what what is your gut feeling on how much, if any, we see Cam Jones this week? Uh, and I, I feel like Chase is getting close. There, I guess there's no been no official report to that effect, but we've seen him with a sling and then without a sling, and then I did they say he's like resuming basketball activities yet or getting closer? Um, I, I feel like a, a Chase return. I don't know if it's this week, but I feel like it might be getting close. Yeah, I uh, so I what what I had heard is that he is doing, and I think Shockey even said this is he is doing um, basketball drills, but they're nothing that involves contact. So the contact will be kind of the last thing that they kind of you know work back into. Um, and the good thing is, with based on what it seems like the injury is, th- this is not like a re-injury type thing. I mean, he could get, he could hurt the shoulder again in a similar way, but this is not one of those like, oh, you know, where it's a ligament where, oh, he can tear it again or whatever. Like this is once, once he can tolerate the pain and, and it's, you know, and contact is cleared and you're not going to do any more damage, then he should be good to go. So I'm hopeful, like just if you look at the calendar, right, there's two games this week and then there's a week break. I'm cautiously optimistic we get him back for National Marquette Day simply because you probably want to have him um, come back during a, a home game because, again, he's, he might be playing a little tentative. He might be playing a little protective of the shoulder, might be afraid to, you know, trying to work back in, and you're going to want the crowd and those juices going for him, I think. So I, I, would, I would expect for Chase 
the target is probably National Marquette Day. But I, you know, what, what do we know? We, you know, you, you, yeah. you didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express this weekend, so it's not like we can claim <laughs> that as knowledge. Um, but that, that's my cautious hope. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if home road matters that much. If he's ready, he's ready. But I do agree with you that the timetable kind of sets up where National Marquette Day, February 10th, by the way. Mark your calendars if you haven't already. But that makes sense because, yes, I, I highly doubt we see him this week. Certainly not against Villanova. And if he's not ready for Villanova, if you've come this far without him, you can probably beat Georgetown without right. him. Uh, especially if you have Cam. Um, and then you have a full week off. And the fact of you could that you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday when you would regularly have a game, you that's more time for practice or rehab or whatever you have to do, you know, physical therapy, whatever Chase has to do, a little extra time to get that shoulder ready. And again, it, nothing has been definitive from the team or from Shaka, but it it does feel like that February tenth game against St. John's could make sense for a Chase Ross return. Now, for a Cam Jones return, um, the fact that he gave it a go against Seton Hall makes me wonder, like, okay, would would a weekend of ice and rest uh, hopefully get a little better where he could give it a go against Villanova, or has he injured the thing to the point where um, he needs another game off? What do we know about Cam Jones' injury? I don't, I mean, I think the only thing we know, know, is that it was injured on Friday in practice um, and clearly injured to the point that, you know, like I said earlier, he was kind of dragging his leg um, a little bit, like he was just moving awkwardly on the leg. Um, so if, I don't I Tuesday feels like a tight, tight turnaround. And I'm not going to judge, I, I'm sure there are some, and I, I, some who would, I'm not going to necessarily judge the staff or Cam for putting him out there, right? Like if if they were like, "Hey, if he can tolerate it and he can give it a go and he can make it work, like let's let's see if it can." And then clearly he couldn't, so they sat him. You know, I don't know with an ankle injury that you're you know you're really risking further injury. I suppose you could injure something else as you're as you're favoring the ankle or whatever. But yeah. um, you know, them running him out there. Uh, it, it didn't look like it was probably a good idea, but I'm not also not going to chastise them for it. But it does feel like if he was that that rough on a Saturday to turn around and go on the road and play essentially 72 hours later, that feels too tight to me. Like, I, I guess I'm saying I, in no way do I expect Cam to play Tuesday night. Yeah. I guess for the staff and for Cam, it might have – Again, I don't know if it was the same type of injury or whatever, but um, probably felt similar to Kolick in the Illinois right. game, right? Yep. Like he he had the he had the injury and it sounded like he wasn't even going to play, and then he went out and got it taped up and was ready to go and played an awesome game and probably had the ankle still hurting when he was in Hawaii and still played great there. And once you get out on the floor, sometimes with an injury, the adrenaline takes over and you just don't notice it as much. And then you take the wrap off and it's black and blue after and you ice it and you go, you know, run it back and do it again. And maybe that's what Cam and the coaches were saying. All right, well, we'll give it a go and we'll try it and see how it goes. But to their credit, they very quickly said, this is not going well. Let's stop this. Right. And let, let, let's let sit down and ice it up. And that's what they did. So they 
they thought it was close enough that it's like, hey, we'll try it. And they tried it, they hated it, and they stopped it. So, I, I'm with you. I can't imagine I would have done anything differently in the same situation if I were either Cam or a coach uh, there. So, I, I, all right, you think you can play? Yeah, I think I can play. All right, let's see what happens. Okay, this is terrible. We're going to stop this. Right. Um, and they did. So, uh, and I, I do kind of, I also agree with you that if he was in so much pain on Saturday that they had to stop it and say, look, we're not going to do this. Uh, unless he has just had you know a, a heck of a recovery on Sunday and on Monday, just icing it and resting it, uh, and he wakes up on it'll probably be it might still be I'm sure he will travel with the team. Right. He'll probably wake up on Tuesday and see how it feels and walk around the hotel and walk around at practice and jump around, tape it up, bounce, and say all right, how's it feel? And he'll make a call. Um, it'll probably be a last minute thing, I would guess. But I'm, I'm kind of I'm a little I'm pessimistic as you are, Phil, when it comes to uh, Cam's avail- availability against Nova. I am hoping to be surprised in a positive way, but I'm just going to set my uh, expectations low there because for all, all the reasons you stated. Yeah, well, and and here's here's the calculus I have, right? Like, and if I'm the coaching staff, this is the way I'm looking at it. it you know, we know, you know, Cam's struggled with injuries. You know, I, I don't know that this is necessarily like common knowledge, but I, I think as as any player does, he's probably had some some tweaks and some some injuries and whatnot um you know this this season that he's been playing through he's now got a very noticeable ankle injury right but if you look at the schedule if you can find a way and i think they have to be encouraged by what they did with seton hall stevie stepping up and gold zade lowry you know Oso, you know being just his sublime self right if if you can give it a go without Cam or Chase against Villanova and Georgetown. Georgetown, I certainly think you can play a seven-player roster with Tyler, Oso, Stevie, Ben, Zade, Trey, um, David Joplin, right? You can you can put the pieces together to beat Georgetown. Georgetown, I don't think, is that, that good. And quite frankly, they may be shutting it down a little bit after what happened in, in the dunk on Saturday. Um, they gave it their best shot against Providence and ended up losing. And, you know, I don't think they have much to play for left. So I'm I'm less worried about Georgetown without Cam and Chase. Um, Villanova, I think, is a very tough game. But again, you've then got a week until St. John's. If you can effectively give Cam and Chase another two weeks to be fully good, then you're on in the stretch run. And yes, if you lose to Villanova, you're now six and four in conference. And I would say that would effectively cost them the, to- the a shot at the conference title. Um, but but so be it. You got to play the long game here and get healthy and get right for conference tournament and get right and get healthy for um, March Madness. And so I would prioritize getting them back for National Marquette Day over trying to make something happen to to, to really get that Villanova um, opportunity, you know, because again, with, with if Cam's healthy, even if Chase isn't back, I feel pretty good about that Villanova game. Without Cam, yeah. is it possible? Yes, but that's, that's a certainly a much tougher game. Yeah, tricky thing about, you know, I think I certainly agree with you. I mean, you got to think about long-term and getting everybody healthy for the stretch run. Uh, because, look, yeah, let's say you do lose the Villanova game 
And we even said earlier, Connecticut doesn't seem catchable. And then they really wouldn't if you lose that one in your three games back. But keep this in mind. Yes, Marquette is technically two games out of first, but they're also two games out of ninth. Right? They're... There's a lot of cluster in the middle. Creighton is seven and three. Marquette six and three. But then you scroll all the way down. Xavier there in ninth, as is Villanova. Or I guess they're technically tied for eighth then. But they're both just four and five. So it's not like those teams are very far behind you, right? right? So yeah, it's like it, like if you were to force guys out there before they were ready and they were to hurt themselves further, and you're without those guys through you know most of February, well then you know trying to avoid playing on Wednesday in the Big East tournament becomes more challenging. Right? right. You don't want to fall too far back. Because, uh, again, you're just, as it is now, they're just two games out of uh, that ugly spot right above Georgetown and DePaul. Because there's just a lot of uh, chaos there in the middle of the league. So, yes, they, there's two ways to look at it. Technically, they are two games out of first place, but they're also two games out of that yucky spot right there near the bottom. Um before I talk about Villanova, Phil, I, I do think we've kind of glossed over Oso a little bit, which is kind of the opposite of what we want to be doing. Right. Um, I th- we've kind of started in the in the 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 MUBB pack group chat uh, a campaign for Oso, uh, not just Biggie. I, I think I said last week he should be a first team All Biggies player. I, I think they're taking it to another level. Allen. Uh, Bukowski on crack sidewalks and also Andre over there on paint touches. Uh, Oso is a Big East player of the year candidate. Now, I, I will say, first of all, I, I don't know anyone. I'm not sure anyone's getting Big East player of the year without getting a win against Connecticut. Um, if, if Connecticut goes, you know, 19 and one or 18 and two, one of their players, probably Newton, if not him, Klingon is going to get Big East player of the year. But Oso is certainly going to be in that discussion the way he has been playing because he has been phenomenal. He is so efficient around the rim. He is such a game changer at the center position from the things he can do for as far as handling the ball, passing the ball. Uh, he, he makes such good decisions as far as when to cut to the basket and catch lobs. He's, he's improved so much as a defender. His efforts on rebounding, tapping the ball out. Uh, I don't know if we can... I think we have undersold how great Oso has been this year, and he's going to be very important if Marquette is going to make a run here in the middle of the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, three things stand out to me. Like, he is shooting a ton of shots, especially of late, right? Like, he took 19 against Seton Hall. Um, He took nine against DePaul, 10 against St. John's, 11 against Villanova, 14 against Seton Hall on the road, right? Like, he's taking a ton of shots. But in conference play... From two, right? He's taking a ton of those. He's hitting 66.5% uh, on his twos. So on high volume, he's hitting a lot of them. He's he's getting good looks and he's hitting them. Like that's impressive for anyone. And it's, and it's not like he's a Shaq type center, right? Where he just overpowers people and dunks. Like we're talking about him driving from the top of the key to get a layup, reversing underneath. Uh, cutting to the basket as a roll man in in the pick and roll, right? Like he gets, you know, he's got that little push shot. You know, he's he can score on you in about six or seven different ways. But what's even more impressive to me is if you look at conference only, um, and even on the year overall, he's shooting, you know, 65% from the free throw line. But in conference play, he's shooting 74%. Like, that's not, not only is that not Hakka Oso territory, 
that's almost somebody you want to have the ball in their hands at the end of the game. Like, you know, if, if would, I would feel comfortable with a 75% shooter with getting fouled at the end of the game and needing to make at least one, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, I, also has been surprisingly good, uh, at the free throw line. Yes. You, you know, so, so his free throw, his free throwing has improved significantly throughout the year. His two point shooting percentage is phenomenal. And, you know, his assist rate, he's, 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 he's assisting, uh, you know, 17.8% of our buckets are coming from coming, coming from Oso's assist. Like what other center in the country does that? Like, you know, yes, he's not a Zach Eadie or a, a Hunter Dickinson. He's a different type of player, but you know, the team is built for him to be who he is, you know, and, and he has stepped up and, and I would say, Oso is the biggest reason this team has remained successful even through the adversity that it has. Like he seems to have elevated his game um in in the last month. Um and and the team is seeing that pay off as a as a result. He, he, they have. And I think he's just become like such a safety blanket for uh you know, Ty- I mean, I, I don't know if that's even the right term. Uh, he's just his chemistry with Tyler's off the charts. I think even Rick Pitino called them like Stockton and Malone. <laughs> like it's what he compared them to was their chemistry on the pick and roll and the way they create buckets for each other. He has he he has been terrific. And um, if he can continue playing like this, Marquette is going to be in the hunt in the Big East. Are they going to win it? I don't know. You know that it seems like a tall. Uh, you know, a, a tall hill to climb right now, but we have a lot of season left as well. So, but he's going to have Marquette in the mix for, if not like near the top of the Big East, but still to be highly ranked, to get a great seed in the NCAA tournament, which is really ultimately what this is all about: is getting in the best position possible to make a run in March. Which is, if all these guys could have anything this season, that's what they all want: is another shot in March to go deeper. Um, in what this is, uh, I, I don't know if it's accurate to say it's their last run together, but it, it's definitely the last for this core because it kind of feels like this would probably be the last year for Oso at Marquette, um, maybe for Tyler as well, and those are things we can get into the off season, what their futures hold. But they, this group, wants to do something special together before they all move on in their careers. Whenever they do that that's what they're working towards and Oso his effort is going to be a key part of keeping them in that mix and when uh, some of the guards have off nights or just whether they're hurt or whether they're just not shooting well Oso has been the constant lately uh, in Biggie's play that they can always go to to get buckets and he's just he's been terrific and I, I hope it more accolades come his way both as far as all Biggie stuff and as NBA draft scouts kind of get a better look at him yeah, I agree, and and you know, we'll we'll leave the loss the off season for itself. But you know, I I agree with you generally, and I will say this: you know, Oso, Tyler, you know, even David Joplin, maybe, um, you know, and, and maybe Cam Jones, depending on his health and and his and his coming back and and that sort of thing. All four of those guys. Um, you know, may test the, the draft waters, you know, they should, it's free now for them to go. They should go to the combine, see what, you know, see what folks are saying about them um, and what their NBA stock is. So this, you know, 
it could be the last rodeo this season for what we see. Certainly everyone's got eligibility to come back. But again, if, if the NBA is calling, you go. You go take the money. Like, thank you for everything you've done. I've truly, I, I have not enjoyed basketball played like this. I don't know ever, right? Like, obviously I love the Korean years uh, and some of the results there, but just from a, like, a basketball porn perspective this 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 team has been ridiculous it's 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 been so fun to watch so we'll we'll see where they go but i think the key is we've got effectively a month and a half here where you know pending health we could get some really good basketball if oso can continue to play at this level cam comes back healthy tyler kolick hopefully has put a little bit of that bump behind him um, David Joplin is playing well. You know, we get four or five, you know, Stevie Mitchell, if he can go back down to 32, 33 minutes, you know, all of that. Like if we if we get all of that stuff coming together, look out that ceiling's back in play again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the question now is, can they take a step forward against uh, Villanova, who is a bit of a head scratching team? Uh, they are in quite a funk, actually. Um, yeah. Villanova currently sitting at four and five, they have lost five out of their last six games, and the one win in that stretch is to Paul. Um, mm. it, it really, there are four wins in the Big East. They started with a great win over Creighton, but of their four wins, two of them are to Paul, and the other one was Xavier at home, a game they won by one point. Um, there's a little bit of, uh, shall we say, anxiety. Mm. Over there, there, there should be. Villan- if there isn't, Villanova there should be. Over um, whether they have the right guy or not. Now, I, I know they like Kyle Neptune because he is their guy. I mean, he was J- uh, he's Jay Wright's guy, the guy he wanted to lead this program when he stepped down. But um, and again, it could turn around for him. But man, they they've lost four straight. Now, granted, there's some tough games in there because they played Marquette once and Connecticut. That was back to back for them, and so I think most teams would lose that back-to-back of Marquette and Connecticut. Um, and then they went on the road and lost to St. John's, and then they lost uh, to Butler uh, at Hinkle on Saturday. This is a desperate team right now, Phil, Villanova. Mm. Um, they have the talent. They have good players. Um, I mean, they have certainly so many guys. You look at them, it's like, ah, he's a good player. I mean, Eric Dixon, he's a good player. TJ Bamba, he's a good player. Mark Armstrong. He's a good guard. Justin Moore, who I'm not sure he, he's been quite the guy he was before that Achilles tear, but he's still a dang good player, uh, a guy I would want on my team just for his attitude and uh, his leadership. But um, it's just not working for them right now. And Villanova needs this desperately. And I know, like, if you're a Nova fan, you're looking at, like, all right, we got Marquette, a ranked team at our place on Tuesday – we need this so bad to believe again. And I, that's got to be the mindset of where Nova is right now. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, this is this is year two um, in another why, you know, in, in the Kyle Neptune era. But it feels like, a, you know, yeah, Jay, Jay Wright didn't, you know, leave like a million pieces of, of talent on the roster, but... You know the the goal was for for Villanova to to reload a little bit and get back out there and 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 contend and I think Villanova is at risk um, of you know yes right now they're in the the eight nine spot um, but you know they're a winner two away from from jumping up higher 
but they're also a loss or two away from, you know, being in the Xavier Georgetown DePaul, you know, space, right? Like they're they're not going to sink below Georgetown and DePaul, but you know, the, if if Nova can't figure out what it is they are, um they run a real risk in finishing in the bottom three in the Big East, and and that would be yeah. just shocking, right? Yeah, um, that's a yeah. We I mean we talked about that the a, a second ago with the the muck in the middle of the Big East. If you're Villanova, you win this. All right, well you're right back up there. You're a game behind this Marquette team that you just beat. You're right there in the upper half. But yeah, you lose this one. Yikes! You're looking down, and all you see is Georgetown, DePaul. Right, and and if you look at Villanova like conference stats only. There's really not much they do good, right? Like if you look at their offensive stats, um, the only thing that they're even in the top three in is free throw percentage, right? So if they get to the line, they can they can shoot free throws. Other than that, they're and they don't generate a lot of free throws. They're eighth in the conference in in generating free throws. So their their free throw rate is is not good. But if they do get there, they they do hit them. But yeah, number know, one in the country, by the way, eighty one percent as a team. Right. So so they're 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 fantastic, but um, you know they don't do anything else great on offense and on defense. Again, they're middling. They don't give a lot up a lot of re, uh, offensive rebounds, so that's good. They also have good um, three point defense. Again, you know that's that's solid, but that's also somewhat luck. Everything else, you know, they, you know, they don't cause a lot of turnovers. They're not, you know, for luckily for Marquette, they're pretty, they give up a lot of two point baskets. They're, um, they're only behind Georgetown and DePaul in terms of three, two point percentages given up in conference play. So, so if Marquette can get to the rim against them, they should be able to score and, and the numbers would indicate Marquette can get to the rim to against them. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just don't they're know what Villanova big. is. Yeah, they're, they're not very big, which is not unusual for Villanova teams. Uh, I mean, they've done extremely well with, you know, throwing a, uh, a lot of guys out there that are 6'9 or shorter, 6'8 or mm-hmm. shorter. But as far as the rotation guys, uh, I mean, Eric Dixon's 6'8 and Hakeem Hart is 6'8. Lance Ware plays some. He's 6'9. But um, this, yeah, I mean, you look at the, you mentioned their rebounding numbers aren't great. Their block percentage numbers aren't great either. They get a lot of shots blocked, and they don't block many shots on defense. And so that just kind of speaks to a team that really, again, more often than not, uh, most of the guys on the floor are going to be 6'8 or, or shorter. So uh, Marquette should have a uh, size advantage in this game. They should, Marquette should probably perform above its season averages on the glass and uh, shot blocking uh, in this game on Vill- uh, against Nova just based on the numbers that Nova brings to the table and what Marquette is bringing to the table. So uh, it's not every night that you say Marquette's going to have a big size advantage on its opponents, but um, this is one of those games. And yeah, I, I'm kind of like with you, Phil, as far as looking at all right, well, what worries me about Villanova statistically very little it's just that they're desperate and they're at home is the and that Marquette could be down um could be down both Cam and Chase in this game certainly Chase very likely and uh a decent chance of Cam we don't know but uh that's it's yeah it's really nothing numbers wise that has me shaken about Villanova it's just the fact that they're at home they need it very badly and Marquette may be down a guy or two yeah I I think that's what it comes down to and 
And this may be one of those games where, and again, they're they're a bit desperate. They're they're probably pretty, you know, emotionally. I don't want to say fragile, but they're 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 probably emotionally challenged, right? Like they've they're they're on a bit of a losing streak. This isn't what they they thought Villanova would be. This might be a game where if if Marquette can land a couple of punches early, that that Nova just gets in their head, right? Or the crowd gets gets frustrated. Um, but that you're going to have to hope um, that's what you know what Marquette can do. Now, I will say the other thing that in this game that does lend itself towards Marquette, or, or not towards Marquette, but at least doesn't hurt Marquette, is Villanova does not play a lot of possessions, does not play fast, right? So if Marquette's going in with a short bench, yes, you know, no, no, no shade to Zade Lowry or Trey Norman or or even Stevie Mitchell getting, you know, max minutes or whatever. Like if we had a healthy cam, you know, you get out there and run, right? You want a healthy cam and, and you would do something differently. But if Nova wants to slow down the ball, um, there's an argument that Marquette with a relatively short bench would be fine with that. That, you know, they'll, they'll they may pick and choose their spots to to run out, but you know, they'll, I think they may be a little content to sit and play, you know, 30 seconds of defense and, and take their time on the offensive end and, and, you know, just kind of grind it out with Villanova because that helps preserve some of the, the bench, um, you know, the bench that they do have. So, you know, that's, that's another plus in terms of playing Nova is, is Nova is not going to try out, you know, going to, I, UConn, I could see if we were playing them now down three rotational players, UConn would just crush, right? Like they would just go, 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 go. Um, Nova doesn't play that game. They're not going to play that way. And so if Nova can have an off shooting night, if our shooting is on, even without Cam and, um, and Chase, I think we can win. I, I don't feel like we will because there's just a lot to overcome. But, I mean, I, I can see a lane where they could win. It's not it's not a all hope is lost, I don't think. Oh, no, no. It's uh, I mean, Ken Palm only has it as a one-point spread. Um, actually, does they have, Mar- they have Marquette winning right now? They actually do. Oof. And Marquette has a uh, – uh, yeah, Ken Palm has Marquette as a one-point favorite in this game, believe it or not. Hmm. I don't know that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, the numbers. And now, are that, the numbers. now that number does not account for Cam being out. Right. I would but, think Villanova um, starts favored by four, four and a half, something like that. I would think. Yeah, I could see that. Out. Yeah, like the Vegas line. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could see see that as well. By the way, one another thing you uh, mentioned just a second ago, which kind of uh, ranked you as far as being able to, if you can take the crowd out of it early. Um, we know that feeling going right. back a few years of when the crowd doesn't believe in the coach and things start off ugly mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that early groan from the fans, right? We haven't had that in a while, thankfully, but uh, we know what that feeling is. And I think that would be ideal for Marquette in this game. I- even if it's just something as small as like an eight Oh run, right? Like, right. like a, like just like a really quick, it's 11 to three, right? Something just that early to make the crowd go, oh, right. Right. Yep. That's, I, I would love that for Marquette in this game. Um, 
I'm, I don't know, but Phil, I, uh, I guess it, it, for me, if if Cam is out, I feel like it is going to be very difficult to mm-hmm. go on the road and win this game. But if if you do get something from Cam, um, even if it, like say he, he plays limited minutes, like maybe he goes out only for 10, 15 minutes, um, that might be enough to get this struggling Villanova team. Because the one the thing I can't get around is is. Yeah, I mean they have potential to be good, and like I guess they, you know, they put up a good battle against Connecticut too. I mean they they only lost to Connecticut by a point this year, um, and you know, granted that's part of this four game losing streak, but I mean they've played Connecticut as well as really anybody has in several months, a couple months I should say. So um, the talent is there for Villanova, but man, they just have not been playing well overall. Uh, and I just wonder if like that self doubt is creeping in on them, that this thing could really spiral. But yeah, I, I, I if I, again if I were gambling this one, I, I think I would not touch it. I would just stay away from it. And it might be a it might be a live bet kind of game where you start watching right. and you kind of like see early where this is going to go. Like, yeah. If you had to play something in that game, that's the way I would do it. But overall, I would stay away from it. But I'm just trying to keep, the, keep some of the good vibes going for Marquette. And I'm, I'm going to say they find a way to scratch this one out and absolutely deliver a gut punch to Villanova. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, it, it's certainly possible. And I mean, go back to the game at Marquette, right? Um, I it, and I think this kind of feeds into the to the gunch gut puncher. If you if you land a punch, maybe they fold a little bit. You know, through the through the first thirty minutes of that game, that game was tied, right? Marquette, where you know whatever the score was, it it would have been something to the effect of like, um, you know, fifty fifty tied at fifty eight through thirty minutes, and then Marquette outscored them the last thirteen minutes of the game, right? Um. So if Marquette can stay in it, fight, 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 keep it even, like they can push hard late, um, you know, and if Marquette gets, you know, we talked about it last time that Marquette will get just a red hot shooting, you know, from three, right? And maybe they got a little bit of that in, in, in the DePaul game, right? Like David Joplin went six of eight and, you know, they shot 45% from three. But if you if you can shoot forty five percent from three, hit sixty percent of your twos, like anything is possible, right? That that that's the recipe for staying in. Now, if you can can you do that without Cam? Um, you know, I maybe the threes you can, right? Especially the way Cam was shooting. Um, but those twos, I just I don't know. You know, are we going to be able to, to consistently get to the rack? I think it's going to come down to is does Oso go otherworldly, right? Like, does he just does he have a game where he goes eleven of fourteen from two, has eight or nine assists, you know, six or seven rebounds? It's it's capable, right? Like he's capable of that. Uh, Eric Dixon is a tough matchup, um, you know, stuff like that. But it, it's going to take Oso and probably David Jopling. And, and certainly Tyler Kolick playing a good game, but Joplin and Oso are going to have to have big games um, to, to, to push this across the finish line for a Marquette win. Um, I don't, I, again, I'm not being pessimistic because I'm, you know, I still think this team is really good and I know a Nova loss wouldn't show well on the resume, but down three players, that's just a lot to, I'm assuming Cam's not going to play and that's just a lot to overcome. Yeah. You know? 
just just yeah and I, I i like you're kind of like the way i get sometimes you just don't want to get in this mode of literally predicting them to win every game right <laughs> like you know uh, it it this game just seems losable for all the factors we've talked about villanova needs it so bad they're at home marquette's probably going to be down a few guys um and it's it's really tough to stack wins in the Big East unless you're Connecticut right now. Uh, they seem to be the only team that's able to be able to stack up four, five, six wins in a row. So we'll see. Um, it, it could be a turning point game for Marquette because, like I said, if, if you win this one, all of a sudden you look at the road ahead and say, oh, right. we could really stack a few up here. Because right. you got Georgetown on Saturday. Uh, to, to touch on that one just a little bit, I, I try not to beat them down too much because I think the point has been – kind of hammered home quite a bit over the last few years. Georgetown's not that good. Now, maybe they're not as abysmal as they were last year, but they're still not good. And they're not as bad as DePaul is this year. That's their one win in the Big East this year. But Georgetown's still really struggling, man. They don't defend well. Maybe their offense is a little better than it's been. They're executing on that end maybe a touch better. But certainly not. I mean, they have a top 90 offense, or a top 100. It's ranked 90th. So a 90th overall, which is fine. Certainly not elite by any standards. But their defense is terrible. Um, but a lot of their factors, uh, their effective field goal percentage is bad on offense. They turn the ball over a bunch. I guess they're pretty good on the glass. Um, and I, that's maybe my only concern in the game is if they get a bunch of rebounds. But it sure didn't help them the first time Marquette played when Marquette beat them by 30 points. Um, this is just yeah, it's on the road, so maybe it'll be a touch tougher. But I think you kind of touched on it earlier, Phil. Georgetown's at that point in the season where, as much optimism as there was back in November, Ed Cooley's here, new coach, new era. Let's turn this thing around. I think reality has set in that this is not the year. Like mm-hmm. maybe there's going to be something long term for Ed Cooley at Georgetown. He's going to get it going eventually, but eventually is not here. It's going to be a year or two or three before things really get going it's they're they're at the point in the season now right about at the halfway point that it, they're probably accepting all right we're bad again and we just got to give it our best effort and ed cooley's kind of with that cha- he's got that challenge right now of trying to keep this team motivated and trying to like get small wins every day so that they could build on something to get something this year or maybe build in the next year but that doesn't change the fact this is a team Marquette should handle, even if they are down a couple guys, even though it is on the road. This is a bottom feeder in the Big East right now. That's putting it bluntly. That This is a game Marquette should win, no right. matter what. Well, I mean, even even down Cam and Chase, Marquette has a talent advantage over Georgetown, just flat out. Um, yep. And, and they have a style and approach advantage. Cooley may get them somewhere, but... You know, he, I, quite, this isn't a Georgetown podcast, but I, I don't know what Cooley was thinking with this season. Like, it's like he was half in the portal, half not. And, and like, it, it you know, I, I just don't think, I, I just don't think Georgetown's going to, like, it's not like the, the arena where Georgetown play is going to be packed with fans, right? Like, you know, it might be another road game, like similar to DePaul, there may be more Marquette fans in attendance than Georgetown, right? So this yeah. is not your traditional away game type of vibe. Georgetown isn't good. They're you know they will play have played. Um, well, I guess they're off for a week, so they they kind of they took their loss to Providence, and then they have a week to recover and, and face us. So they've got their 
their bye week, you know, you could see that going one of two ways. Either that bye week, you know, they just get so down and they're they're rusty and and they don't play well, or you know, maybe they come out firing. I think I think Marquette may be challenged in the game, but Marquette should absolutely win that game, even even shorthanded. Yeah, we actually have a pretty decent uh, alumni contingent in the DC area. That yeah, it's not DePaul levels where it's like seventy percent Marquette fans, uh, but. I think there'll be a, little, a decent amount of blue and gold in D.C. on uh, on Saturday, um, including some friends of mine. But I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Phil. Will there? Will maybe we get some fight from Georgetown? Maybe Ed Cooley's got something still to teach them, and maybe that's what they're working on during the week is some kind of theme of, all right, second half is going to be the beginning of our next chapter that we're going to carry in the next year. Let's start off right by playing a good game against Marquette. Yeah, well, whatever you're going to pitch to the team. Um, doesn't change the fact all you touched on there, Phil. Skill advantage, talent advantage, um, momentum advantage, just belief in yourself advantage, uh, coaching advantage. It's it's all on Marquette's side in this one. So will they win by 30 points again? I wouldn't bet on that. But should they win comfortably, maybe cover the 12-point spread as Ken Palm has it right now? I could see that, certainly. Uh, yeah, so whatever happens on Tuesday, we'll see. But uh, I feel pretty good that Marquette will end the week with a W, and then they will have a week off to prepare for St. John's. Yep, yep, yeah, and that's and that's the key, right? Like fight against Nova, um, you know. Hopefully, hopefully steal one there. Um, play play well against Georgetown. Get the get the get the win, and then get into that bye week. And, and start National Marquette Day healthy, ready to roll through the rest of the conference. Like, that's yep. that's where we are, plain and simple, yep. right? Yep, that's kind of where I'm at. So uh, hoping for the best in a 50-50 game with a lot of X-Factors against Nova. Take care of business on Sat. Excuse me. Take care of business on Saturday, then on to the next one. So, yep. yeah, I think that's going about to put a bow on it, Phil. Is there anything else you want to touch on, either of those games or team overall? No, I think, I, again, just wishing for good health uh, here as we turn the calendar to February, and, you know, let's see what they can do this week. All right, uh, that's going to uh, just about do it for this edition of Scrambled Eggs. As always, you can hit us up uh, on X Twitter. I'm Joe McCann3. Phil is M-O-O-O-F-23 at Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You can go to cracksidewalks.com. We post the podcast there. You can leave comments under the articles. And go to remember to rate, review, and subscribe. App- subscribe. Can't talk right now. Goodness gracious. Well, you're, you're still recovering from your weekend. I, I am. I am. I am. I am getting way too old to uh, spend, you know, all night in Milwaukee having beers, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I need some sleep. Should we get out of here? Yeah, let's, let's, let, that feels like the right note given what's going to happen this week. That feels like, like the right note to end on. All right. Everybody have a great week. Seashells and balloons. <laughs>